0: It's January 18th, and we hope you're getting into the rhythm of reading through the Bible daily. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and it's a pleasure to be able to read the Scriptures with you this morning, and hopefully to point out some things you don't want to miss on the way. So as your tour guide, I'm going to begin reading from the 37th chapter of Genesis, where we read about not your average Joe, that is Joseph the son of Jacob, beginning with verse 1. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Billa and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream, and told it to his brothers, and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, And the man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing their flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes the dreamer. Come now, let us kill him, and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here, in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt." When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile the Midianites had sold him in Egypt, to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Chapter 38 It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adullamite, whose name was Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Er. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chezeb when she bore him. And Judah took a wife for Ur his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he went in to his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground, so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house, till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. When Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah to his sheep shearers, he and his friend Hira the Adullamite. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, She took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up, and sat at the entrance to Enayim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come in to you for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me, that you may come in to me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, If you give me a pledge, until you send it. He said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, Your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went in to her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her, and he asked the men of the gate, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Enagim at the roadside? And they said, No cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also, the men of the place said, No cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, Let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, Bring her out When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb, and when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out, and she said, What a breach you have made for yourself! Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. You may have noticed thus far, reading through the book of Genesis, that the book has been divided into different sections. Each of the sections have been marked by the phrase, these are the generations of. For example, the first section was about creation, and so we have the marker phrase in Genesis 2 verse 4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Then in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we read again the phrase, These are the generations, this time it says, of Noah. And this is followed by the account of Noah and the flood, a new section. Then we read of Abraham's ancestors, the Shemites. In Genesis 11, verse 10, after the phrase, These are the generations of Shem, which is followed by the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which follows the phrase, these are the generations of Terah and the listing of Abraham's extended family. So today we come to the last major section of the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph, in chapters 37 through 50. This section follows the expression in verse 2 of chapter 37 These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. So this last section has to do with the last son of Jacob, Joseph. In the story of Joseph, it's not just the dream coat that is amazing. We have caught glimpses of the true hero of the Bible story, the Messiah, who would reverse the curse upon fallen man, the promised son of God, the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, the innocent substitute in Genesis 3.21, slain to clothe human nakedness, the only required sacrifice that can give sinners assurance of acceptance before God, in Genesis 4.4 and Hebrews 11.4, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We also learn that kings will be in the family line of the one who would be king of kings, in Genesis 35.11 and Revelation 19.16. Jacob, literally meaning the heel-catcher, supplanter, cheater, is renamed Israel meaning, ruled by God, or paraphrased, God at work. Envision a huge God at work sign over Jacob and his descendants. Through Jacob, now called Israel. God is at work to fulfill his redemptive purpose for the human race. God is preparing a people to bring forth the Messiah, the anointed priest, prophet, and king. As priest, he will provide atonement for our sins. As prophet, he will be the Word made flesh. As King, he will be the Lord of heaven and earth. So as we study the book of Genesis, we are able to let the Word of Christ, the message of Christ, richly dwell within us. In Colossians 3.16 The Apostle Paul explains, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to his seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed that is Christ. So we see that Christ is in view in the Genesis story, the promised Messiah, the seed of Abraham. We see prophetic pictures of the promised seed, that is Christ, in the many seeds in the Abrahamic lineage. Isaac is the beloved miracle son of Abraham. He is the one through whom the promises would come. And yet God required that Abraham take his son, his only son whom he loved, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice, in Genesis 22.2. We see that we have a clear picture in Isaac of God's only son, Jesus, being taken to the mountains of Moriah, meaning scene of God, or as we've learned, center stage, to the place where Jehovah-Jireh, Yahweh-Jireh, literally, God will provide, where God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. In Genesis 22, verse 8 and 14. Jesus is the lamb of God that God himself would provide. Abraham had to come to a place where he knew God would raise his son from the dead if he required him to die, because only through Isaac could the promise of a future seed be fulfilled. In Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. One of the greatest prophetic pictures we have of Christ in the book of Genesis is found in Joseph, the first son that Jacob had by his beloved wife Rachel, the following comparisons can be made between Joseph and Jesus. Joseph was the beloved of the father in genesis thirty seven three Jesus is God's beloved son in matthew three seventeen in matthew seventeen five in mark one eleven nine seven in Luke Chapter three, verse twenty-two, or chapter nine, verse thirty-five, chapter twenty, verse thirteen, and also in Colossians one, verse thirteen. Joseph was a shepherd. Jesus was the good shepherd in John ten, verses eleven and fourteen, and the great shepherd of the sheep, in Hebrews thirteen twenty. Joseph was given favor from his father and a kingly tunic that he would be stripped of, in Genesis thirty-seven twenty-three. Jesus was commended by God the Father as being the Son of His delight, and at the cross He was stripped of His seamless tunic. In John chapter 19, verse 23, Joseph was hated by his brothers. He testified to his father of his brother's evil works. In Genesis 3, 2, And he provoked his brothers to envy. In Acts chapter 7, verse 9, Jesus testified of his brother's evil works. In John 7, verse 7, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, in John chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus' own brothers did not believe him until the resurrection, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. They thought he was crazy, in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 5, and Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus was hated by the religious leaders because of envy, in Matthew 27, verse 18, and Mark, chapter 15, verse 10. Joseph had two dreams. In the first dream, Joseph's sheaf of wheat rose and stood upright, and all the sheaves of his brothers gathered around his sheaf and bowed down to it. In the second dream, the sun, moon, and stars bowed down to him. Jesus is the first fruit from the dead, the sheaf before whom all others bow. He is the Lord of the earth, and his earthly people, Israel, the first dream, and the Lord of heaven, and his heavenly people, the church, the second dream. Joseph's dream of his supreme status made his brothers furious in Genesis 37, verse 8. Jesus' claim to be equal with God infuriated the Jewish leaders to the degree that they wanted to kill him in John chapter 5, verse 18. Joseph was potentially put to death. Jesus, the greater Joseph, actually was put to death at the hands of his people. These events were used by God in his plan for the salvation of his people. After delivering Joseph to intended death, his brothers sat down to casually eat their lunch. In Genesis 37, verse 25. When the Roman soldiers crucified Jesus, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots, and sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. In Matthew 27, verses 35 to 36. Joseph was wrongly charged and sent to prison. Jesus was accused falsely and sent to death. Joseph was released from prison, exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh, and given royal garments. Jesus was released from the prison of death, having paid our debt to God, given garments for his resurrected body, and exalted to the right hand of the Majesty on high. Joseph was given a second name in his exaltation. Jesus is given another name in his exaltation. In Genesis chapter 41, verses 42 to 45, and then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, and Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 12. For this very reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So let the message of Christ sink in as we read the story of Joseph. Let us also learn from this history that God is sovereign. He has a plan. He will use us if we are willing to humble ourselves and do what will bring glory and honor to His name. Genesis 38 reminds us of God's grace. Judah is unfaithful and turns to a prostitute who is actually his daughter-in-law in disguise. As a result of this illicit relationship, Perez is born. This child will be the ancestor of Jesus. Let Matthew's genealogy remind us that God is at work even in the midst of life's messy situations. In Matthew chapter 1, we read the genealogy beginning with verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba who had been the wife of Uriah. That genealogy records all the twists and turns in their life stories, but God's purpose was not thwarted. The Messiah would be born of this lineage. Now for our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. Then a demon-oppressed man, who was blind and mute, was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven, and whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. People will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. FOR SHE CAME FROM THE ENDS OF THE EARTH TO HEAR THE WISDOM OF SOLOMON, AND BEHOLD, SOMETHING GREATER THAN SOLOMON IS HERE. WHEN THE UNCLEAN SPIRIT HAS GONE OUT OF A PERSON, IT PASSES THROUGH WATERLESS PLACES SEEKING REST, BUT FINDS NONE. THEN IT SAYS, I WILL RETURN TO MY HOUSE FROM WHICH I CAME, AND WHEN IT COMES, IT FINDS THE HOUSE EMPTY, SWEPT, AND PUT IN ORDER. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. In this New Testament portion, Jesus is demonstrating his unique authority over Satan and his demonic forces. There is no record of true exorcisms in the Old Testament, so what Jesus was doing was a first jesus exercises authority over satan and casts out demons the pharisees sadducees and scribes were appointed as custodians of the law and the prophets they were given the task to point out the messiah to the people of israel when he came according to the scriptures the messiah would be made known by his works casting out demons as well as the miraculous healings were some of those distinguishing works that set Jesus apart as the true Messiah. Notice that Jesus says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? That was a probing question designed to expose their hypocrisy. These religious leaders knew well that their sons did not cast out demons. Jesus says, therefore, they will be your judges. In other words, They will prove that you are deliberately rejecting the Holy Spirit's ministry of signaling out that Jesus is the Messiah and you're lying to the people. Out of envy, jealousy, and deliberate pride, they were permanently lying to the people about Jesus' identity as the Messiah. These religious leaders were eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry, His deliverances, and His healing works. The Holy Spirit was testifying through these signs that Jesus was the Messiah, According to the prophecies, such as we read in Isaiah chapter 35, they willingly chose to attribute to the devil what they knew to be the works of the Spirit. Just as we have seen that Jesus is the greater Joseph in today's Old Testament reading, Jesus tells us that he is the greater Jonah in Matthew 12, verse 41. He will give his contemporaries an evil generation that seeks a sign, the sign of Jonah, This sign refers to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But unlike the Ninevites, who repented under Jonah's preaching and were saved, many who saw the miracles of Jesus did not repent and therefore would be condemned. Jesus said that the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South, received God's wisdom in Solomon. But he is greater than Solomon in Matthew 12, verse 42. Because the Queen of Sheba received God's wisdom, she would rise in judgment over the Jews who did not receive God's wisdom in Christ. Jesus also proclaimed that he did not come to divide Satan's house. He came to completely spoil it. He could only do this as one who was from the outside of the household of Satan. Jesus proclaims that he is at odds with the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of this world. What he does, he does by the finger of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, He has come in the authority of the kingdom of God to bind the strong man, that is Satan, and set free those who have been taken captive to him, those that were in his household. He also notes that an exorcism without conversion to Christ, that is regeneration, is worse than no exorcism at all in Matthew 12, verses 43 to 47. Jesus came not merely to expel demons, but that we might have a new life, that we might be born from above, born again, and thereby become part of his new creation. In John 10, 10 and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, only by turning from our sin and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ can we truly be delivered from death and him who has power over it, that is the devil. In Hebrews 2, verse 14, only through faith in Christ can we truly be turned from the power of Satan to God in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. And now a reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 16, a miktam of David. A miktam most likely is a musical term or a liturgical term. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. There is much to glean in this psalm. Lord, I have no good apart from you. We hear the Apostle Paul echo verse 2 in Romans seven eighteen, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I find not. Do you delight in your fellow believers as the psalmist does in verse 3? Are you satisfied with your portion in Christ? Have you considered the wealth of your inheritance in verse 5? We should adopt the psalmist's habit to set the Lord always before us in verse 8. Then we can receive His counsel even in dark times in verse 7. This is a song of blessed fellowship. It is one that gave Jesus confidence in the Father's plan to raise Him from the dead. In Psalm 16, verse 10 to 11, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27-32 to 32. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. So verse 28 inspires me to be proactive in the moment, especially when people ask me to pray for them. So often we say that we will pray for them when we can pray for them in the moment when they make the request. So let's do all the good that we can, when we can. Let's pray. O Lord, the story of Joseph encourages us. You are the Lord over all circumstances. We can say that we know that you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you, to those who are the called according to your purpose help us to stay focused on the revelation of your glory and your grace in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining with us on our reading tour of the Old and New Testaments. I trust that your daily intake of God's Word is giving you perspective on life as it is to be lived in a real, honest-to-God relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As Lord, He is worthy of your obedience. As Savior, He is worthy of your trust. We also like to remind our listeners that if you would like to have a written copy of the commentary portions on each day's reading from the One Year Bible, you can subscribe to a free service at our website, newlife.org, that sends an email to your inbox with illustrations, maps, and charts that you may find helpful. We hope that the tools of this daily podcast and daily emails will encourage you in the healthy habit of reading through the entire Bible and grasping at central message of God's plan of salvation centered in the person and work of His Son. You can also let us know if this podcast is a blessing to you or if you have any questions or comments by writing to us by email. Our simple email address is podcast at newlife.org. That is, podcast at newlife.org. Don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps us spread the Word of God and it also will mean that you will be informed when each new installment is posted. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Shalom.